Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 13, 2, 5, and 10. I'm just going to talk about it instantly. That song, like, I'm hot Holy right something. now, Benny. Like, I, I, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to perform. I am. I'm here. You know, I am here. That song always makes me think of Lindros coming across the middle and Scotty Stevens just ending his life. And I'm pretty sure he did end his life, too, like a, a couple of times. It's, a, you know, it's that, the Keith uh, Primo OT goal, the Casparitis OT goal, those back and forth triple OT flyer penguin series. Always great. But yeah, Gary Thorne, Bill Clement need to come back. Uh, those two could call a game, dude. Like I, I just love the two of them back and forth. The, the, they were phenomenal, and the Bill Clement mustache is just a staple. <laughs> I mean, the two of them never knew who was on the ice at at any time. Th- that's what made it fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and Darren Pang, I guess, was the first guy to be between the glass. But I loved his uh, holy jumping whenever a goalie made a great save. Um, do you find it ironic that both him and Pierre have the same haircut? Like, and they're both in between the glass. And they're both, like, four sevens. I mean, what are the <laughs> odds? <laughs> well, one one was a little bit more successful in NHL than the other, but uh, and he's not as creepy. <laughs> From Saskatoon. Um, before we get into the hockey stuff, I, I just, we got to talk about it. Uh, I had a surprise last night. Uh, knew I was going to Foxwoods. Uh, we get down there. We're in the room. We're getting ready. Redder's like, come on, let's go get Sierra so we can go to dinner, starving. Door opens to the room, and it is just jam-packed. Sardine cans. Surprise! I'm like, you motherfuckers. Like, I should have known something was up. But um, just want to say thank you to everybody, first and foremost, for coming out. It was a, uh, it was a very good time. I-, I have some stories. I don't know if we <laughs> should talk about them or not. But, um... I almost protect the innocent. No, no. Um, Some of these need to be aired out. (laughs) I, uh, we go to shrine last night and I almost beat up one of the bouncers like full on, like almost beat this dude up. Uh, I'm not a violent person. Like, you know, if we're on the ice, things happen, You, you know, five minutes in the box, we're fine. So, at Shrine, they have, like, the stairs that go upstairs to Red Lantern, the restaurant there. It's kind of like a split thing. There's, it, like, it's packed in there. And I'm on the stairs because that's where we were. And one of the bouncers says, get down. And I told, like, where do you want me to go? Like, <laughs> there, there's all these people in front of me. Where do you want me to go? You can't be on the stairs. Said, okay. Make a hole. I'll follow you. He looked at me and he walked away. Ah, eh, Whatever. Now, there's another guy who comes after and wants to be a tough guy, too. You got to get off the stairs. Make a hole. I'll follow you. So now the flashlight comes out. He's doing the flashlight wiggle. Uh, and, uh, of course, he, he thinks I, I'm scared. Like, uh, everybody knows I, I just turned 30. Ugh. But, like, I'm a grown-ass man. You, you want to have a conversation with me? Kevin. I, I know, but it's like, you want to have a conversation with me, we can have a conversation. So he does his flashlight wiggle, but he puts it, like, upwards. So I don't know if that's, like, the bouncer, like, cue of we're going to have an issue or I'm going to kick somebody out. So I tell him, I go, dickhead, if you want me to get off the stairs, wiggling your flashlight up above where no one else can see me go down the stairs is not getting me off the stairs. So, yet again, you want me off the stairs, I will follow you down them. And you got to get off. And, and now I'm just giving it to this guy. This and yet again, I'm still on the stairs. I didn't move, so every, everyone's now like now trying to. Be, no, no, you gotta go. Fuck him. Like he sucks. So on the way out, I gave it to one of the managers and said, "For the amount of money people spend here, the least you could have is a properly trained fucking like bouncer staff. Like absolute yeah. fucking joke." Um, I didn't pass out. I didn't vomit. I, I thought that was good. I didn't piss and or shit myself. Um, yeah. Uh. Some people not as lucky. I'm I'm not gonna name names. Some people may or may not have walked into some signage. Ooh. It was yeah, dude. It was a disaster. But there is no other way I would have had it. Phenomenal crew. I actually thought at the end of last week's episode when you said we're gonna be doing a show rather. Su- I was like, oh my god, 
Benny's going to be there, and then we're recording <laughs> this together on Sunday. That was not it, but... um, <laughs> I wish I could have been there. I had talked to Redder previously about it, uh, but wasn't able to pull it off. But I will... You know, I keep talking about us doing a live episode, but when we do have that live episode, it's going to be uh, unbeknownst to you that we're actually having it that week. So I'll just keep it at that. Well, well that's good. I, I like to hear that. Uh, always game for a surprise. Um, but yes, yet again, everybody, thank you for coming out. I know close to the holidays, a lot of money, though some people um, ran away with a mortgage payment last night. They did pretty good on the craps table, I was told. So um, I'm glad I could help out. I'm glad that, you you know, in this time of need, enough of this, enough of me, let's get into the hockey. I actually saw it live yesterday because, yet again, I was sitting in the room waiting for other people to get ready, unbeknownst to me of everything else happening. So I'm just sitting there gassing beers, and I see Eric Carlson come across the middle and smoke Wagner. And that live speed, it was hard to tell. Like, it, it almost looked clean at, like, full speed. And then when... They slowed it down and they showed the angle. You can tell he gets him in the head before, like, yet again. I think this is one of the hardest things in hockey where people come across the middle. For most players, I don't believe it's their intent to hit somebody in the head. It's a fast game. Things happen. Carlson came across. I don't believe he's a dirty player. Gets him in the head, leads with the shoulder. Uh, Department of Player Safety today gives him two games thoughts i'm surprised carlson got a two gamer for that since he doesn't have much of a track record uh kind of in line with what uh matheson got early in a year for that just heavy takedown of patterson uh so i'm surprised he got a two game suspension the hit like you said uh being out here on the west coast i was watching that game too I think it was just a case of Carlson kind of wanting to come across the ice, uh, hit Wagner, who kind of took a run at him 20 seconds before that hit Mm -hmm. uh, himself. And like you said, it's hockey. It's a fast sport. There's going to be plays where a defenseman's coming in at full speed. He has a guy lined up, and the guy's just going to move even slightly, and it's going to adjust the angle of the hit or the principal point of contact, as the league likes to say. And I think that's kind of what happened on this one. So I don't think it was dirty. Uh, I know why the league kind of frowned upon a hit because they're trying to eliminate as many head hits as possible. But to be honest, unless you're going to take checking out of the game, you're going to constantly run into issues like these where it's not dirty, it just happens. The player's still going to get disciplined because it was a head hit, but I don't think there's going to be like a lasting uh, bad blood or reputation hit to Carlson for that one. No, and I think... Another good thing the league's doing here is just because it is Carlson that he's also getting games too because when you get to that superstar level and you don't discipline certain people for certain things, that's when this whole department of player safety gets tarnished a little bit. Like, I know Sid doesn't hit anybody, but if he made that hit and he didn't get suspended, I I think it's a whole other thing. Um I think another thing, too, Wagner was a little shaken up, went to the dressing room. There was not a penalty on the play. The refs didn't call it. So I wonder if that goes into their ruling, too, where you you actually have to go back and look at the video. The refs didn't call a penalty on the play. Does it make it a different type of call, in a sense? Like I think it's just hard where that fine line is drawn. I just think that's really difficult, and they do not have an easy job by any means. Yeah, I, there was talk of the league possibly instituting a thing where if the referees on the ice would even think that there was contact to the head, that it would be an automatic uh, five-minute major and then a game misconduct that was reviewable by Toronto, that they would look at the replay and say, okay, uh, it was actually shoulder-to-shoulder, shoulder, so it's just a minor, a no-game misconduct, or they would just like confirm uh, the ruling on that is just to kind of make it as uniform as possible. They obviously didn't go that route, but I'm curious to see if they kind of reconsider that next summer in terms of kind of standardizing what the discipline and what the calls on the ice are going to be for hits that are close to the head, hit the head, or intentionally focused on the head area, things like that. I got one question for you, too, on it in, in the sense of 
we've discussed it before with Tom Wilson, whether certain things are hockey plays and non-hockey plays. So the first suspension he got this year, the one in preseason, that Wilson one was kind of like a Matt Cook type thing where like you come all the way on a back check, you're moving, you get somebody blindside. This is more straight up. You're coming across the middle. And I mean, I know playing hockey, you come across the middle of the ice, you expect to get hit. So I think it's just more of it's a hockey play. The placement wasn't where it should have been a little bit off, but just a fast sport. Yeah, I'm. It, it's considered a hockey play. I can see the other side of the argument saying that Carlson could have as easily have defended that rush by kind of backing up and using a stick or like uh, using a different type of check. He didn't necessarily have to come across from the right point uh, to center ice and lay his shoulder into Wagner there. Uh, but yeah, I think we're on the same page that it's not a dirty hit. But I think those are some of the hits that are going to start getting the league's attention in terms of how do we reduce or eliminate those. And if you want to reduce or eliminate those, I don't know how you do it outside of uh, removing checking from the game, outside of like along the boards. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing too is I remember growing up, um, you know, playing high school and select teams and shit like that, where they always taught us when when that exact same play is happening, it, when they're coming across, if it's, you know, one guy versus 2D, so a one-on-two, that weak side D is the one who comes up and makes the jump just like Carlson did. So, I mean, I don't know how you unteach that after playing for so many years. <laughs> and Carlson, I know he's still youngish, so he wasn't necessarily a guy that was playing in the, you know, the dead hockey era of the Devils. Stanley Cup championships, but he was been around long enough where he was around before a lot of these rule changes. Uh, so like you said, it might be difficult for a guy who not only was trained uh, since a young age and how to play defense that way, but also was accepted in the league for, uh, for playing defense that way. Now all of a sudden it's kind of in a gray area. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Um, I have a Tom Wilson story, and he's not getting suspended I thought this was hysterical. I kind of wanted to get your take on it. Um, I don't know if it was Chicklets who posted it or NHL.com, but so they're in warm-ups, Wilson and TJ Oshie, and Oshie kind of comes by. He gives him a little uh, a little tap in the peaches, nothing crazy, a little, hey, how are you, a little nut tap and warm-up, get the boys going. And then Willie comes back around the backside of Oshie, completely takes his stick the other way, so now he has this knob of his stick on the ice. Taps the ice underneath Oshie and goes straight up right in the peaches. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> dropped them. I thought it was hysterical. Uh, your take on it? I mean, if you're looking for somebody to be on board with fucking around with your teammates or even guys on the other uh, team during warm-ups, I'm your man. Uh, I just, you know, before we started the podcast, we both talked about, you know, having some cup checks, some nut chucks done. Uh, even by our own teammates growing up uh, playing hockey and stuff. So it's just two guys messing around. If I was Oshi, I would have to devise another way to get Wilson back at some point because I know Wilson probably has his head on a swivel now. Uh, so, yeah, I just think it's boys being boys. Uh, well, I mean, now that we're talking about it, was there anything, uh, certain warm-up you did? Any Like you have like a, a warm-up partner or something you always did something with every time? <laughs> Uh, so I didn't necessarily have like a partner on my own team or anything. It was kind of the same old and you probably have these stories too of when you're finally the upperclassman on the team and you can kind of fuck around with the freshman a little bit. Uh, so, you know, the tape on the blades, send them out for warmups, uh, you know, a couple more vocal freshmen got some icy hot and a jock strap, things like that. Uh, but I love to park my ass right on the blue line. Uh, center ice red line during warm-ups especially during rivalry games and just have half my body on the other side of the red line waiting for anybody to come across and kind of try and tell me to get the fuck back on my side and kind of pick my partner for the rest of the game that way and i mean at that level did you find enough people who wanted to indulge in that or was it kind of one of those uh sometimes some games you did some games you didn't 
When I first started uh, at that level, I would do it every game, and then I realized that uh, not that surprisingly, not that many guys were interested in even just talking shit throughout a game. So uh, I found around the other teams who would be interested, who's the most fun to do it with, just trash talk, because they would actually uh, kind of entertain me as well. Guys who would actually play physical and uh, go back and forth with, and I would circle his games on the calendar and know that, all right, so Thursday night is the night I'm going to be uh, kind of stirring some shit up. Wednesday, not so much. But I always look forward to those games, got my blood flowing a little bit more, got me amped up for the games more. So definitely always look forward to those. I kind of had my shit, like, down to a science. Like, <laughs> I'd get there, you know, two hard laps, then you come across in front of the fans there. You stretch it out, nice groin stretch. You know, show yep. them like you're into it. You know, a little pelvic you thrust. On the blue line. Oh yeah, absolutely. You let, let them know what's going on. A uh, couple of those, uh, you know, the normal warm ups. You know, always start. You know, wrist shot, snap shot, slap shot. That that was yep. the way I had to go. And then when the goalie's out of the net and everyone's just taking pucks and coming around. I had to take a snapshot dead on and hit the crossbar. And if I did not, like, my whole thing was fucked up. Yeah. Like, the mojo was just not flowing if it was if it didn't happen. Um, I, I'm upset. I mean, I grew up in Cambridge. It, it was the city. Like, basketball was huge. Hockey was kind of the lower half, which is fine. But, I mean, I think back then... Like they should have had a mic'd up for me. Like I would just, I go, I sing, I'm fucking talking shit. Like even now when I still play like men's league, I I would have to go to Lorenza every time. And before the game started, I had to sing, "Take me home tonight. I don't want to let you go till I see the light." And like, and if I didn't, it's just one of those things. Just it has to be done. Well, I mean, you were a motor mouth in college, man, playing it on the opposite end of you too. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I finally met somebody that talks to as much as I do about fucking nothing. I have a gift pal. I have a gift. My thing was, you were talking about like the snapshot, wrist shot, slap shot. You would have to hit the, uh, the, uh, the bar before you felt good for the game. I would always save my last shot for the people standing behind the glass, behind the goal, just watching warmers and just rip one as hard as I can right off the glass at face level, just to put the fear of God into them a little bit. That was my favorite thing to do after warmups. I love doing that, but only at away games. I love seeing those people <laughs> right on the glass. And, like, you come from the circle, and you know you have the angle, but you're like, oh, I can already tell this is someone's dad on the other end. Just fucking wham, <laughs> like, slam one off the glass. So, yeah, it was definitely good. It was a lot of uh, a lot of fun days, a lot of fun shit. Yeah, did you ever have any superstitions in terms of uh, pregame warm-ups in terms of, like, in the, in the locker room itself, how you got ready – uh, even on the way to the rink? Um, way to the rink for me was usually you, you throw in the iPod. Yeah, this is iPod days, not iPhone. iPod <laughs> days. Uh, little rap, little ACDC, get the blood flowing. Uh, get in the room, kind of stretch out a little bit, shoot the shit, uh, chew a whole bunch of gum, and then, uh, yeah, tape the stick. Like Just normalcy. I didn't think I was crazy. I know some guys... You know, they, they'd fucking, they would take the tape off their stick if they scored a goal with it, and they would put it on the wall and then, like, rub it for, like, good luck. Like, <laughs> good luck, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's not even on the stick anymore. It doesn't even matter. Like, what the fuck? But, you know, I wasn't too crazy. Nothing insane. Yeah, I mean, for me, same with the music. I would always, my last song, I would have to time out. I would listen to about the same, like, eight or nine songs uh, before each game for the entire year. And I would only change it up if it was the playoffs and we just lost the game. But I would time it up where I was arriving to the rink just as the last song ended. And the last song was always Kill Switch Engage, kind of getting it going. And in the room, everything on the right side on first. I'm talking undergarments, gear, pads, skates, uh, glove, and then left side goes on. And it was like that for like 15, 16 years. I got another question for you because, I mean, th yet again, this is the shit that happens. Coming out of the locker room, which number were you? Were you, like, the last guy out every time? Were you the fourth guy out every time? Like, I know some people are just, like, down to a science. I was always the last guy out, and I took a very leisurely play, uh, pace to get there. 
Fair enough. Yeah, I had to, uh, the way our room was set up, we were in the back and then walking out, so we'd have, like, our own shit in the locker room going music-wise. Then we came out of the room, whatever the rink was playing, so I'd always have yeah. to turn off the iPod. But then we had one other kid who always had to be the last, that was his thing, so I had to be the second or last guy. I'd have to give him uh, a left right on the face mask, boom, turn, <laughs> and go out the door, and th- that was how we did it. Yeah, it would always be, all right, Benny boy, let's go fuck it. And they're like, all right, let's fuck it. they go out. I'd everybody go, and then I would take, like, the Chris Pronger long stride stroll down the carpet to the rink and then just glide onto the ice and get to it. If I was on the other side and I saw you doing the Chris Pronger stroll out there, I would <laughs> fucking own you once as you came out on the. I would chirp the absolute shit out of you. <laughs> That's why I did it. It was like the Vince McMahon walk for me. You know how he like over-exaggerates Chest his arms. Chest arms flailing. <laughs> because I would want to get out there. And if somebody was talking, it's like, all right, cool. I don't have to put the legwork in. I already know who I'm going to have for the rest of the night. But, yeah, I would just go out there. It was mainly for the fans. Just everybody on my team's already out there. And then all of a sudden, here comes uh, the last guy just at his own pace, coming out, cocky-ass walk, looking to start some shit. And it was funny because when I was a freshman, in high school, I was like five nine, like a hundred, maybe forty five pounds, and I was coming out to like I was king shit, talking, running my mouth. <laughs> the good old days. Nice to go down uh, memory lane. Uh, we're just about the halfway point of the season. It's been pretty quiet this week in hockey. Nothing really too much. So we're gonna go with like individual assessments of our own teams. You want to uh, fire up the red, white, and blue? Yeah, uh, I'm going to start up front because that's much more enjoyable for me than going over to the defense at this point. Uh, I'm not going to go into too in-depth of a rundown for each individual player. I just kind of go with the guys who earned an A, uh, Bs, Cs, things like that. Uh, So for the Rangers up front, the only two guys that have earned an A for the first half of play is Kevin Hayes, who is a pending free agent, uh, Massachusetts boy, maybe heading up to the Bean to help you guys out in your Stanley Cup run. Uh, really developed into a defensive force last year, and now his offensive game has really uh, stepped up. He's a big-bodied, complete number one center. He's on pace for 70-plus points this year and can be matched up against the likes of Crosby and uh, McKinnon very easily. So uh, quietly turning into just a step below the tier of franchise uh, center. So very happy with that signing. So he gets an A. And the only other forward up front that gets an A for the Rangers is the other top uh, six center, Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Not as developed offensively and defensively as Kevin Hayes, but uh, he's pretty much carried the offense uh, no matter who he's playing with. Yes, for fast, Gorel, Buchnevich, Kreider, even uh, Nemesnikov. Stepped up his game playing with Zibanejad. So he gets an A. And I'm going to make this very easy for the rest of the forward group. Everybody else gets a C plus or a B minus. B minus guys are guys like Kreider and Jimmy VC. Uh, C guys are everybody else. Uh, they've had their moments, good, bad. Uh, some surprises, like I said, Nemesnagov, VC's on pace for over 20 goals. Uh, so he's turning into a solid top nine guy. Uh, Philip Heedle is really turning it on lately. Uh, but other than that, just the standard bottom-feeding, rebuilding team full of guys like Ryan Strom and Cody McLeod and Vinny Letary. So nothing too exciting up front. On the back end, my boy Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, have a, have a long checkered pass together. He gets a D on the, on the back end. I know he's dealing with some injuries. He dealt with an injury last year in his first year with the Rangers, but uh, he's been as advertised defensively, which is not good. But offensively, where he's supposed to be making uh, all of his bucks, not driving play, uh, negative possession numbers, hasn't been a top-tier power play quarterback for us at all. Uh, so really disappointed with his offensive production. Uh, he still has a few years left at six, I think it's even six mil a year. So they, the Rangers have some issues in the back end. They have Shattenkirk, who signed for big money for a couple more years. They have Mark Stahl signed for big money for a couple more years, and he's basically the defensive version of Joe Thornton. He stands still, 
He scored two goals this year. I don't know how. He has no offensive game to him at all. Defensively, he has to be sheltered into uh, defensive zone starts completely and on a penalty kill. Uh, Neil Pionk, Anthony D'Angelo, I'll couple those two guys together. Two young, promising defensemen who are developing well this year. Pionk is producing more than D'Angelo, but has worse underlying numbers. D'Angelo has better underlying numbers, but hasn't produced as much as Pionk. Uh, Brendan Smith is Brendan Smith. I don't think I need to really say anything more than that. Veteran guy, you can chew up some minutes, but he's going to baffle you with some of his uh, decision-making in terms of penalties. Brady Shea, really disappointing first year of his big extension with the Rangers. They were hoping last year was a sophomore slump. Instead, it looks like he went from a potential Ryan McDonough replacement to hopefully he can squeak out and be a top-four guy on the left side for the Rangers moving forward. Uh, so defensively, the only guy that gets above a D will be Anthony D'Angelo, and that's only because he started the year so low on the totem pole and was such a question mark about if he would make the team that he's getting top four minutes consistently is a testament to his production and also Davey Quinn's coaching. Last but not least, in goal, the King, Henrik Lundqvist, the third A on the Rangers so far this season. He has faced the most shots at this point in the season than any other year of his career. He's standing on his head for the, uh, for the team. Franchise guy, still proving everybody wrong at the ripe old age of 37 years old. And unfortunately for him, he's sticking it out for the rebuild, which means he'll likely never win a Stanley Cup, which is a travesty. But without Sabanajad, without Hayes, without Lundqvist, the Rangers would be the worst team in the league, so those three guys get A's. With all that, th- there was one person I didn't hear about, so now I have to ask. How's my boy Darth Quader? Oh, McQuaid? Yeah. I mean, <sighs> I saw him absolutely ragdoll Kadri last night. I thought it was phenomenal. Well, yeah, Kadri's a little rat, so whenever he gets anything, it's good. The issue with that whole play was, if you watch the entire sequence, Mark Stahl cross-checks Kadri into the uh, Georg- Georgiev. Georgiev pushes him, Kadri pushes back, and then McQuaid comes over, two cross-checks, drops his gloves, and just ragdolls him to the ice. So essentially, the Rangers got had to kill off a double minor to McQuaid because Mark Stahl pushed a guy into his own goaltender. So just a great decision-making and play all around. McQuaid's been hurt a lot, which probably doesn't surprise any of you Bruins fans out there. He missed, I think, almost two months with a, a core injury, so something probably like tore a muscle in his stomach or something. Just came back recently. You know, he is what he is at this point. Solid defensive defenseman who is being asked to play too many minutes, which exposes him, but he's great in a room, sticks up for his teammates, like... I still don't know why the Rangers made that trade, but he's came as advertised, injury prone, but a good a good guy in a room. Yeah, that's the same way he was here. Um, on to my Bruins. I feel like they almost need like two different ratings. They need their healthy rating and then the other rating of the fill-ins. So overall, I would probably give the whole team about a B minus C plus and a lot of that's due to injuries and consistencies of now you're kind of fiddling, you're putting guys in certain spots. And I get that. Like it's not just going to instantly click. Um, Patrice Bergeron just comes back yesterday, four points in his first game back. Daddy's home. One question or one, two people we need to talk about is while he's gone, David Pasternak and Brad Marchand become very, very quiet. It's almost scary as to how much they need him. And I would say that's a huge thing for Bruins management, at least going forward. I mean, all three of these guys are under contract. Obviously, you want them together, but they need Berge. Like, Berge is, you know, the oil to the engine. He's the peanut butter to the jet. Like, he's the one that makes this whole thing go. As for outside of that top line for the offense, 
our secondary scoring is minimal. It, like, you know, some games it'll pop up and like, holy shit, we scored six goals. And then we're quiet. And one person I think needs to be looked at pretty hard here is Jake DeBrusque. I mean, when the kid's on fire, he's on fire. But when he's cold, man, like, it, it, it's brutal sometimes watching him. Can I ask about his overall game? Like, I know he gets top six minutes for you guys, and he can put the puck in the net. But if he's not scoring, does he help contribute in other ways? Yeah, I mean, Jake's one of those guys, anytime you see him, he's in on the forecheck. Uh, he plays tough, too. He goes to the dirty areas. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can see it a little bit, though, too, a little bit of a uh, a swagger standpoint of when it's working for him, it's working. And I, I just think mentally and looks-wise, it looks like he's playing a lot better. Um, David Krejci with the Bergeron injury kind of came alive again in the sense of he was playing with Pasternak and Marchand, he looked a lot better. Um, Bergy comes back yesterday, so there was a game yesterday and the game today. Now we go into the Christmas break. I, I really want to see which David Krejci comes back here afterwards. Um, trying to go through the lineup here. David Backus, another one of those guys, big money. We kind of see the disappointment with him. But I think recently he's kind of come back on a little bit. And I think he's finally starting to hit that stride, which is going to make that a lot better. Um, everybody else on the forward end, I think, are pretty uh, pretty basic in a sense. I mean, you, you have your fourth liners. You got Achari. You got Nordstrom. Actually, you know what? Let me talk about Nordstrom real quick, too. This guy has done a great job of just filling in because when we signed him, I didn't know what to expect. He's kind of there. Don't know what. He came over from Chicago. Chicago, Carolina was one of them. Uh, and he was quiet. Didn't really know too much about him. But with all of our injuries and everything, he's filled in really well. So I kind of like him just being in this system or whatever this system is. Uh, then if we're looking at it at the next level, I think you got to look at the kids. Uh, Donato, Heinen, Forsback at Carlson. Donato... I think he's, I don't want to say he's like DeBrusque because DeBrusque obviously right now is a way better player than he is. Uh, I'd say he's really touchy. The The kid, I think, he's can score goals. You can see it. Like, he likes to shoot the puck. I think from other people, when you see them play, like, he thoroughly enjoys, like, cranking the puck. You can see it in his eyes. Um. But when he's not doing it, it's kind of like, eh, JFK, I'm not really the biggest fan of him, is what it is. Uh, Danton Hine, another one of these guys, younger, in some games he shows up and you're like, oh shit, like the, the kid seems like he can play. Then there's other times where he's just really quiet. And I think from a production standpoint, kind of just blah, but when he goes missing, it's not like on the other end where he's like defensively bad. I think he's just a quiet, steady player. And okay. on that end, it, he's okay. Um, going to our defense, that's been a little bit of a nightmare with all the injuries on that end. I think we need to really compliment Matt Grizzlick. Kid has just been, he, he was that seventh D at the beginning of the year, the healthy scratch. I wasn't a fan of that because I thought Grizzlick last year really proved himself. And then with all the injuries, now he's back in the lineup. Uh, John Moore, another one of those guys, I had no clue what to expect out of him. I, I didn't really know too much of him in Jersey. We make this signing for two and a half for five years or whatever it was. I'm kind of like, who the fuck is this guy that we're signing? Like, just had no idea about him. But yet again, he's been one of those guys that he's been steady. No crazy offensive production, but he's not extremely bad defensively. So on that end, it's good. Good to see McAvoy back. Since he's came back, he's been phenomenal. The kid is all over the ice. Just the points might not be there, but he is making plays. And just off that alone, you get nervous, especially with a concussion, and he was out so long as to like getting his bearings back. But he's been phenomenal since he's been back. So on that end, I'm really happy. Krug holding his weight, definitely being that 
power play specialist that he is. Definitely getting pucks moved around. I like that he's actually been shooting a lot more now, too. Like, I mean, granted, he can't hit the fucking net, but, like, just happy that he's actually winding up and shooting the puck because when there's traffic, you don't know what's going to happen. Rumor came out Zdeno Chara will be ready for the Winter Classic, so I'd say next week, probably right before our next episode, we'll probably fire up a little bit about that. Big Z. Big Z. Um, Let's see, who else? Kevin Miller, he's been hurt for a while. I like Millsy. You know what you get out of him. He's kind of that McQuaid guy where going to block shots. He's going to fight people. He's going to be all over the place like that. We'll, we'll see what the future brings. Uh, it's still tough with those two guys out to kind of piece it together. Now to the back end. Tuca, awful start like that we all have talked about. It. He's been brutal. But ever since his leave of absence, he's come back and he's been steady. And that's all I can ask for, just on that end. He he hasn't been, I don't even know the word that I would use before, atrocious, um, a puddle, <laughs> like whatever you want to call it. But since he's been back, he's been steady. He, he's front on pucks. Yaroslav Halak, man, has been lights out. And, I mean, he's, they're basically split in time. And Yaroslav Halak, when he came in, I thought, you know, back up. I didn't think he was really going to do much for us. But he's been phenomenal, and I don't know if this is helping Tuca in the sense of now he's getting a lot more rest because they're splitting time or whatever it may be, but having him here is great, and I think an issue right now is I don't think we know who the number one is because they mm-hmm. go back and forth, so it's not like, oh, he has more starts. or this. They're, like, they're basically split down the middle. So it's whoever's playing the best at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I think, what ga- what day was it? Yarrow got a shutout, and then Cassidy put him in the next game, as you should. I mean, the goalie just got a shutout. You're not going to split time there. So with that, I think it's just kind of a hot hand type scenario, which isn't a bad thing. But we're coming up on January, and then it's that next three months. Like, one of these guys is going to have to become an official starter. Because when it gets time to playoffs, I mean... Either you play or you don't. Like you pull your goalie, the backups now the guy like happened yeah, last year can't in Washington. Keep going back. Yeah, you know, it happened last year in Washington with Holtby. Like going into the playoffs, he was not the starter. So they had a I forget who their backup was. He shit the bed and Holtby went back in and now they were doing a lot better. Mentally he needed the break, whatever it was. So that's kind of my assessment. People could probably say, I'm wrong, I'm stupid. And I'm okay with all that too, so I have no issues. Uh, what what grades would you give Cassidy? I know I uh, omitted uh, giving one for Quinn, which I can do uh, pretty quickly after you talk about your guy. I'm just curious what you think of what he's been doing, uh, being the head man for a full year. I I really like Bruce. Um, I believe the same thing he says in the media is what he says to the players. Uh, really straightforward. Uh, one thing he does really well is like post-game interviews with uh, Jack and Brick where they ask him questions and he doesn't sugarcoat it. Like, you know, we weren't good in the D zone tonight or the goalie has to win you one there. So I think there's just certain things like guys know this in hockey. Like if a goalie lets in a shitter, if he's a good, decent goal, like they're already fucked up as it is. But like if you know the game was on you, fuck boys, like I'm sorry. And just hearing that, though, is reassurance, too, in the room where you're like, hey, you know what? He let it go. He's owning up to it. Now we're on to the next one. And I feel like even Bruce is like that as a coach. I think if someone questioned him about his coaching, he would probably say, you know what? Our game plan wasn't as good tonight either. But as a whole, I really like Butchie. I like what he does with the kids in the sense that kind of Claude was a lot more has the reins on him, and he kind of lets them run free and do their thing. I would say as a coach, he's he's a B plus. I mean, can't ask for a coach to, I mean, in my view, when you have the type of veterans the Bruins have and the type of success that they've had, all you really need is a coach who puts them in a position to succeed, kind of gets added away of those guys, but helps develop the young guys behind them. So in that sense, it sounds like he's kind of hitting on all cylinders there. Uh, For Quinn, 
the it's kind of hard to judge him. Uh, the Rangers brought him in to be a, a teacher for the young guys. Uh, Rangers obviously going through a rebuild, and they also wanted to bring in a guy who was going to establish some accountability for the Rangers, which was kind of missing a little bit the last few years under AV. I will say the accountability is definitely there. He has no qualms about scratching anybody on a team, no matter what your paycheck is. Uh, but he doesn't do it in a way like Tortorella would in a punishing type of way. It would just be more of a, we're going to give him a breather. We're going to work with him in practice. And once we start seeing those things in practice, we'll give him another chance in the lineup. So I like that about Quinn. Uh, the, the other thing I like about Quinn is he lets the young guys make mistakes. He lets D'Angelo pinch when he should be uh, stepping back a little bit. He lets Heedle dangle the blue line instead of throwing a puck deep. Uh, live in, he lets them live. He lets them learn. He get, teaches them uh, very well behind the scenes. Uh, you know, he's as advertised when it comes to being a, a developer. So in that sense, he's everything that the Rangers asked for. I'm just curious, once the Rangers, hopefully in like a year or two, are ready to like make another move towards Stanley Cup contention if he's still the right fit. If he's still the guy that can lead a team to the Stanley Cup or if he's more of the guy that, like a Buck Walter in baseball, who comes in, sets the tone, changes the culture, helps uh, introduce the young guys to the, to the big leagues and then has to get removed for a guy who knows how to bring the experienced guys to the promised land. So I'm kind of curious about that moving forward. I mean, just on the development end, though, you have to feel pretty good. Like you said, I mean, I don't want to say millennials, but I, I guess <laughs> but I guess that's the word you have to use. But, like, for kids to learn, they have to make mistakes. And in, in the NHL, I mean, a quarter of a second late is a mistake. So I think just finding your way to be there, finding your lanes. There's actually a really good clip on YouTube. I'd have to pull it up. Maybe we'll put it on the Facebook page. Of It was a Monday when Quinny was at BU, and he strictly just had a defensive skate, and he has these guys going across the ice, and, you know, by the time they hit the blue line on the front end, they're coming doing a full lap. So by the time they go to the blue line, by the time they hit the red line, they always already have to have guys angled, or at least them at the boards, in the sense of just preparing. I mean, it's fast. It's tight. You want to stop guys at the red line, bottle them up. So, I mean, I think he definitely knows what he's doing. And I'm with you, though, on that, too, where is he just one of these guys on the development side so he can get those guys there, but then somebody else needs to come in and really grab the reins and bring them to the promised land? The only other thing I wanted to add, which just came to my mind, the Rangers have the lowest total of regulation or overtime wins in a the league. They have 10. Um and the other thing is they haven't won a road game in regulation or overtime all season. That's an interesting stat. Which is just goes to show they're a young team trying to, I guess, trying to find their way. But they are brutal on a road. And they kind of hold on for dear life in their wins even at home. So they're a team that's very borderline between being around 500, maybe slightly worse for the rest of the year. Or they can just crater out the rest of the way. Maybe the boys are getting too many kills on the road trips, not enough rest. <laughs> I'm just scared what it's going to look like once the deadline is passed and guys like Hayes, Zuccarello, uh, McQuaid, those type of guys are shipped off and then we're playing even more untested prospects from the A. So, Moving on to probably my favorite topic. I look forward to this every year. World Juniors start in the day after Christmas or up north, they say Boxing Day. <laughs> um, I love it, man. I, I love seeing these teams. I love the U.S.-Canada rivalry, like all this shit, man. I absolutely love it. Um, going forward, looking at the U.S. roster, Philadelphia has been one of those teams that we've been kind of on their shit a little bit. You know, they just haven't had a good year, the whole thing with the coach and everything else. They have four guys alone on the USA roster. So maybe they just need to buy a couple of years until these guys are developed and on the way. Uh, Quinn Hughes on the back end, kid's phenomenal. They actually thought he was going to be playing in Vancouver this year, but he actually chose to go back to Michigan. So that's a big thing for him. So he'll probably be done once the Michigan season ends. He will be in Vancouver. 
another person up front, his brother, uh, Jack's going to be the number one over pick this year. That's that's lose for Hughes. Get Jack. The kid can finish. He can score goals. I think another thing with it when we're talking about goal scoring is Oliver Wallstrom, uh, Islanders pick this summer. Kid's a stud. He he was the one on the mini one on one for the Bruins when he was like twelve, who did the behind yeah. the back loop de do, picked the puck up. The, the kid's been scoring goals forever. Phenomenal. Another guy on there, Ryan Poling, uh, Montreal pick. I, I've seen him play like he's a reason why St. Cloud State's on the map. And he's been that way for a couple of years now. So we're just gonna get right to the bush. You know, or, or don't need to beat around <laughs> the bush. Whatever. Uh, Jay O'Brien, local kid from here, plays at Providence, Philadelphia draft pick. He's another one of those guys who's going to score goals. I, I just like the roster. I like the way it looks. Uh, one of your guys is on there, too, uh, K. Andre Miller. Uh, first round pick. Yeah, first round pick. Uh, came from the national team development program. Uh, tall. I think he needs to grow into his body a little bit, but he can do that over the next couple of years. But I think you guys have a really solid guy there. His offensive game kind of picked up this year. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing I do see with the U.S. team, I think they're really front-heavy. I think they have a lot of people here who can score goals. I think their D is a little bit questionable. Uh, Outside of Quinn Hughes, uh, Keandre can kind of bring that physical element a little bit. But these other guys, I don't really know, so I don't want to say yes, say no. In net, I, I do like the way that their goalies are here. Uh, Kyle Kaiser plays up in the OHL in Oshawa, and then Caden Primo, who plays at Northeastern, he is a Canadians draft pick. I've seen him play a lot. I, I think the kid's phenomenal. He's actually um, I don't know which one, so I'd probably dropped it. But he's either Keith or Wayne's son. He's one of them. And um, hopefully no, Keith, he have a bit of career. Yeah, so he played good, phenomenal at Northeastern. He's a reason why they're rank so high again this year i think he's the backstop i I don't know who's the who the starter is going to be i do like how they have that extra goalie there though too to kind of get him experience because he's finally draft eligible for this year so i think next year it's kind of looking forward as to how the tournament plays out and so on and so forth on to canada like every year man like this pisses me off Canada always has like NHL guys or shit like that on the roster. Mm-hmm. And I understand it where, you know, if the guys are playing in the AHL or if they're rookie in the NHL, they, they sub them out to team Canada and they can play in the tournament. But it's like the way I look at this, it should be kids who are drafted and not playing in the league. So they're either in, you know, the Canadian hockey league or they're at the NCAA level and I mean, for the foreigners like Sweden and things like that, they're playing in their home countries. That's where I really like this tournament. But yeah, I, I feel like Canada, they had two guys who were loaned out, but due to injury, were not able to play. And yet again, that's fine. Like, well, you're going to send an NHL guy to a fucking a, a junior tournament. Like, yeah. uh, I agree. Maybe part of it's like sports psychology where they'll feel better if they score a couple of goals, but who gives a shit? Um, one kid here to watch Alexis Lafreniere. He is already projected to be the 2020 first overall pick kids only 17. The kids a stud. He joined Sidney Crosby. I forget who the other one was as being the only 17 year old to play on team Canada. So I think he is going to be, this is, I don't want to say it's a make or break tournament because next year it's the make or break tournament for him. But the kid just making the roster at 17 when everybody else is 19, it it, it says something and there's a lot of promise there. Philadelphia again has a pick on this Team Canada roster too. I think Philly in a couple of years, they might have something cooking. But right now it's not cooking. And I mean, (laughs) when they spell failure, they spell it with the PH. (laughs) Um, on the back end, Evan Bouchard for him. That they call it the Bouch bomb. Just absolutely slams pucks from the blue line. So be aware of him. Hopefully, you don't block a shot that'll really get you. Ty Smith. I was a huge fan of him. He actually almost made the New Jersey camp this year, yeah. well, the team out of camp this year. So I think 
that's huge. One thing I want to talk about, too, is there are two actual college players on the Canadian roster. And I think it's starting to speak a little bit because over the last couple of years, the Canadian teams have started to have more and more college kids making the team. And I know before it was basically, if you were Canadian and you played it at college, you didn't make the national team because they only picked from the Canadian Hockey League. So I think now that the pool is getting bigger and the guys are just playing that much better, I think they're starting at Hockey Canada to respect the college game a little bit more, where I feel like before they kind of they kind of frowned upon it a little bit. It's really turned into a true developmental program after years of struggling. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think another thing for it too is some guys, when they choose to go to college, it's for different purposes. Some of them are just a lot smaller. So only pay, playing 40 games as opposed to 60, it gives you more time in the weight room. It gives you more time to bulk up and be a little bit bigger. Obviously, I mean, most of these guys, you know, for the most part, if you're going to be an NHL player or not. And a lot of guys know that. Like, there's a couple of bubble guys who are like, you know, shit, maybe I could play the AHL for a couple of years, make some money. But I think knowing it, it's like, hey, these guys are so much better. I got offered a D1. I'm going to school. I'm going to play hockey for four years. I'm coming out with a degree. I'm going to do something with it. Where other guys are like, I'm going to school for two years. I'm signing my fucking entry level. I'm out of there. So I, I think people know where they stand on that. But, I mean, if you're Ottawa, for example, with Shane Bowers, who plays at BU, the, the kid wasn't that big. He, he's 6'2", 188. With that, he when he was drafted, he was probably only 160. Hey, he's tall, he's lanky, you send him out to BU, he's going to bulk up. By the time we sign him, he'll finally have the size he needs to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's where before it, would, it was probably a quote-unquote talent thing. I think now it's an actual mental thing in the sense of how do you want to develop this player? And I think that's huge. On their DN, not their DN, I'm sorry, their goaltender end, Michael DiPietro, I think he's the starter here. I- I've heard about him for a while. Really good goalie, Vancouver draft pick. They said they haven't determined who was going to start between him and Ian Scott, but I think they're going to lean on him a little bit more. Outside of that, I don't really give a shit. I just like kind of <laughs> USA and Canada. But but that's just my take on the World Junior. I mean, just the, the spectacle. Only- and another thing, too, it's in Canada. You want to talk about, like, as a player, like, you want to talk about people getting fucking rowdy. These games are complete redouts. Like, everyone is there in their Hockey Canada jersey. They're all screaming the anthem. They're on top of you. Like, you want to see an atmosphere? This is what you watch. NHL Network covering all the games. I love it. I always take vacation this week. I stay at home with the kids, and I watch hockey all day. <laughs> And the other thing I just wanted to add was, besides Keandre Miller uh, playing for Team USA, first-round pick for the Rangers this past draft, there are other two first-round picks this past draft. They have three of them are also playing in the World Junior Championships. Uh, one for Sweden, uh, defenseman uh, Niels Lundqvist, uh, and then for Russia, Vitaly Kravtsov is playing uh, in the Junior Championships. So Rangers... Seem to have, at least in the early stages, gotten pretty solid return on their three first-round picks, which is huge for their five-year plan getting back into contention. Yeah, man, and I mean, I love this tournament, too, because it gives people a chance to actually see the prospects and see how they're doing and ranking up against these people. Like, I love it. I love the World Juniors. It's legit. <laughs> I, like, I, fucking, I fucking love it. <laughs> Uh, so, from World Junior Championships and prospects, we'll change it back up to the big boys in the National Hockey League. Uh, going to make our game and lock of the week picks. And, you know, Kev, I am on a two week winning streak. I'm officially off to Schneid again. I'm now two and six instead of the brutal, brutal could have been 0 oh and 8. Uh, 
I'll let you go first again this week because I want to at least get three in a row here like you did. Uh, I am not sure if you won this week, though. I'm not either. I, I honestly forgot who I picked. I got to go back and look at my <laughs> other notes. But um, when I picked them, it felt good. So whoever it was, I'm hoping that they brought me to the promised land. Um, I'll make sure to add that when uh, we put the, the podcast up on social media. <laughs> Let everybody know if you actually got it right or not. Um, I have for game of the week and lock of the week, the same night, Thursday, December 27th, uh, New Jersey at Boston. I think my bees are finally doing good. I know they lost tonight to Carolina, but they're going to be at home. They're going to have Christmas off. Well, they have Christmas Eve off tomorrow, Christmas Day. You come back the day after Christmas, you're at home. There's no travel. Like, I just feel like they'll be in a very good spot to come out and win a game. And then my game of the week is that night, Calgary at Winnipeg. Both of those teams have been a wagon, uh, kind of fire with fire. I think that's going to be a great game to watch. Yeah, that was circle for me as well um you know pretty light week schedule wise because of the holidays uh but i am going to go with my game of the week pick it's also going to be your boys up in boston they're going to be on a road against the sabers on thursday the 27th so like we talked about the bruins finally getting some of you guys back and healthy uh the sabers had that red hot streak going for a little bit then they lost four or five in a row now they kind of Got their bearings back a little bit, and they're putting up some points. So on a road, Boston against the Sabres, kind of battling for that third spot in the Atlantic Division. And my lock of the week will take us all the way till next Sunday, and that is on the road, the Vegas Golden Knights over the Arizona, soon-to-be Houston Coyotes. <laughs> the Houston Coyotes. Uh, let's. Oh, well, they start at 8, so we won't know the final until the week after, but we might be able to give a update next week during the uh, show. Oh, and your Bruins game today, they played the Whalers. Yeah, I saw that. was actually pretty cool. It was nice that they're finally doing something Whaler-like. I know with the trademark and the copyright and all that bullshit, it's always a nightmare, but I, I love that Hartford Whalers jersey, man. Yeah, the TD Garden even played uh, the Bonanza song for him. <laughs> <laughs> You got any history or shout-outs this week? What we got? I always have some history for you. Uh, going all the way back to 1980, the, the former Winnipeg Jets <laughs> defeated the visiting Colorado Rockies 5-4 to end their 30-game winless streak. The Jets were 0-23-7. So the Winnipeg so, Jets won one A team, A1 team, the, the first one, the first Winnipeg. The, the, <laughs> the only legitimate one up until these Jets win a cup. Um, in 1999, Paul Coffey of the Carolina Hurricanes has an assist and becomes the first defenseman and eighth player in NHL history to reach 1,500 points. He got his 1,500 point when he set up Sammy Kapanen's power play goal late in the second period. And third, and not least, in 2006, old boy Mike Sillinger becomes the first player in NHL history to reach double figures and goals with nine different teams. When he scores his tenth of the season for the Islanders, and they defeat the Blue Jackets for nothing at the shithole Nassau Coliseum. Who, who do we got for shoutouts? Shoutouts this week, holiday edition. I'll just, as always, start the, off the, the holiday first, first lady. The holiday first lady. You know, she's back on the East Coast as of this recording. She's with her family in Queens. I wish I could have been there with them. But she's on the East Coast. She'll be listening on your time, Kevin, instead of on the West Coast time. Uh, so give her a shout-out. I uh, got me some very nice Christmas gifts uh, when we had a little Christmas get-together before she hit the road. And I'll also give a shout-out to my family back on the East Coast and then my adopted family here on the West Coast. Uh, so happy holidays to them. And shout-out to you, Kevin. Welcome to the 30 Club. Thank you, thank you. Um, shout outs this week, huge shout out, big red for planning that, I mean, whatever we want to call it, uh, dysfunction down in Foxwoods. I had a blast. Also huge shout out. Uh, she got us our first merch. We, we got a little, I got a little two, five and 10 hat up. We'll have to put a, a picture up on the website. Shit looks legit. Shit looks fucking legit. Um, I, I think we might do a couple of team inspired ones. Maybe we'll do a little black and gold lettering on a cap for me. Ooh. Maybe a little red, white, and blue on one for yours. I think we might fucking have something here, Benny. 
Yeah, anything that brings in additional revenue for the people that want to buy something. <laughs> yeah. so, since fucking advertisement's not working, maybe you guys will buy some hats and t-shirts. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's all I got on my end. Uh, next week, obviously, we'll probably touch on a whole bunch of Winter Classic with that being next Tuesday. I think that's the date. I don't know. January 1st, that day. Yeah, next Tuesday. We can also do some New Year's wishes for all the teams around the league, too. I like that. Perfect. Um, as Benny had said earlier to everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Enjoy it with your adopted family or your normal family. All the best. XOXO. Two, five, and ten, baby. Let's get this bitch rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Peace.